This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my good friend Jeff, aka Sika. How you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing perfect. Thank you so much for the invite to come and talk to you. I love talking to you about everything under the sun. Totally. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so we've met um, in Austin, you know, working with Temple of the Sacred Womb for years now. And it's been, you know, great getting to know you through that community. That's the kind of first couple of times we bumped into each other. But we've also found each other out at festivals and Ecstatic Forest, which is actually coming up. That's going to be dope. I'm playing again. But anyway, yes, I'd just love to like introduce you to the audience, hear your story, get to know you more. You know, we have spoken quite a lot, but um, yeah, I would just love to share what I know about you and, and have you share how this whole journey has, has happened for you because, you know, you found yourself in plant medicine communities and, and spiritual communities, but also doing commerce, you know, marketing and trying to bring kind of a spiritual angle to how we go about commerce and all that. So there's a lot to share here, but, yeah. um, yeah, I but myself through different communities and different mm -hmm. dimensions of, like you say, like spirituality and commerce and all that. It's been amazing getting to know you, you know, seeing you play multiple times in your DJ sets. I, I think I've seen you probably over a dozen times, man. <laughs> every time it's like, yeah, I want to see that again. Like, that's Let's awesome. Go. Thank you, brother. Get to know you that way. Absolutely. You're always getting down. You're like one of the top get downers. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. Totally. Okay. So how did this spiritual path begin for you? How did it find you around what age and what was the catalyst for kind of coming to, you know, the spiritual dimension of life, wanting to learn more about mm. these more subtle energies and, and ways of being? Yeah. Great question. You know, I could go on and on about it, but I guess in the beginning, like in the earlier days, in high school, kind of being exposed to a little bit of LSD. And then in my twenties, um, did some mushrooms, saw God for the first time. Like my father passed away when I was like 23. So 24, we used to go out to the desert, hands of Borrego and, and eat shrooms. And one time I peeled, it wasn't very conscious. It was kind of in a group of partiers or whatever, but I peeled away from the group one time and looked up at the full moon. And there was my first experience with God, you know, mm. And after that, it was like, okay, I'm good. Like, I don't really need this anymore. And I went into my own world of doing the things that I've done in my life. And it didn't really come back around until my 40s. Mm -hmm. And I was married and had a career as an attorney. I'd been an attorney for about 10 years in the corporate world and had, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on with that and was caught up in my own matrix of thoughts and expectations, what I thought the world was going to be. And all of a sudden my marriage fell apart. My job ended and really ended my, my corporate legal career because I was kind of unemployable for a bunch of different reasons at that point, mm -hmm. lost my wealth, lost everything. And literally had that moment where I dropped to my knees and reached my hands up to the sky and said, I have, no, I have nothing left, you know, like what, like universe support me. Like, is there anybody out there, you know, that moment and yeah, sure enough, the universe came along and supported me through that. And it was a rocky road, but I had a great mentor at the time and we had coffee and I always saw him doing yoga. Mm -hmm. And at that, by that point I had done like, you know, yogic movements, 
just as like stretching for kind of warm up and cool down for martial arts and different things like that. But I couldn't even call it yoga. I was so disconnected from this idea of the spiritual path or yogi, you know, yogic path or whatever. Yeah. I just call it stretching on the mat. I couldn't even call it yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have coffee with my, my mentor. And I'm like, dude, you're going back East all the time for work and business trips. And the first thing you do is go to a yoga class. I see on social media, like what's up with that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's the most important thing I do every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, it was shocking to me because this super successful guy, I'm like, the most important thing you do every day is like, yeah, try it out, do it for three weeks and then come back and talk to me. So I did it every day for three weeks. And by the time we had coffee, the next time I was like, man, I don't know why people wouldn't do this every day. Like, this is amazing. This, yeah. feels so good. this is so great, you know? Love and that's it. what really was the, the initial steps into my spiritual path and the practice that I, that I still maintain today, 10 years later, and, you know, he also kind of got me and challenged me into meditation. And, and that was really the beginning of it for me. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. What type of yoga was it that he was introducing you to? Well, it was mainly just flow yoga. I was in Southern California around Newport Beach. And mm-hmm. he had, was tuned in with, with really great uh, teachers. And that, you know, after we had that second meeting, I was like, you know, what, what do you do with meditation? Like what that's, what's that all about? And he's like, well, I actually do meditation while I do yoga. Mm-hmm. And he's like, go check out these teachers. And so I went to a couple of classes and I would go in the class and they'd be like, okay, close your eyes, nothing to see here. And do the entire class with your eyes closed. Yeah. So that's how it kind of like was written into my system, into my nervous system. Like this is what you do. Like there's movement, a movement meditation. Yeah. meditating while I'm doing these these sequences. And so it was a flow yoga, but I explored a whole bunch of different yin and, you know, all kinds of things like that. But it wasn't like a regimented, like Ashtanga, like specific thing. Or Got it, got it. It was general flow yoga. Got it, very cool. Yeah, I mean, all <laughs> yoga is helpful, you know, any type of yoga. I've been to sleep yoga, you know, it's yoga nidra. Oh, yeah. Where you, they just take a, you really just take a nap, <laughs> but it's his favorite pose, right? Yeah, but you know, um, some people need assistance in taking a nap. Their their nervous systems are very highly charged, and that's not why I went. But I could feel in the community there that some people really loved this recharge that they were about to get. You know what I mean? And and it was right. it was it was great. I loved it. Um, I love all forms of yoga for sure. Um, before we move on, I wanted to know about that experience with God you had with the moon. Mm-hmm. If you could kind of just expand a little on, on what, what do you remember about that experience? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a big partier in high school, so I didn't, I, I guess what I meant to say in that when I was talking about that is that I, I had this idea, I had this thought, like I've never been wrapped up in religion or dogma or anything, but I knew there was something bigger. Mm-hmm. I just, it was just kind of, I had no outlet for that. I had no, role model or any kind of inclination what that would be and so when we go to the desert we would hike in there was a a specific trail that we would take it's like five hour hike into the desert and you get in there and there's like an oasis there's like Mm -hmm. five or six palm trees and like a little like a trickle um, kind of spring and it was a beautiful spot and there were all these mountains around. And so when I got up on the mountain away from the group at that point, I was like literally jutted out on a rock. Like if you picture like in a, in a 
a cowboy movie or something. There's an Indian like up on the mountain, like right. out on a rock, like, yep. you know, um, speaking, to, you know, really, you know, really loud to the universe or what it was that kind of moment. Nice. And it felt in that time when the mushrooms were, were taken over that it was kind of like a theater, you know, with these mountains around. And then the full moon was right there in front of me mm-hmm. and I was looking up and there was like a halo around the moon. It was just so beautiful. And I was still processing my father's passing. He had passed like not even a year before that probably. And it was just this sense and this feeling of oneness with the universe that everything was going to be okay. Like my, Mm -hmm. you know, everything about my father is like at one with all of that. And it just felt so peaceful and so, you know, just so much like a transmutation of, of all of that kind of energy that was stuck in that moment and like i say i was like oh i'm good little did i know there were a lot more shadows a lot more healing to be had but in that moment i was that was good you know yeah it's beautiful yeah definitely an awakening moment i can relate to that and i've definitely seen that ring around the moon Uh, mushrooms can definitely make those halos around light sources and yeah it's beautiful it's like a rainbow right you know it's Mm -hmm. i love it um but yeah, that's awesome, man. So when did you start working more with like plant medicines? Because um, I believe you've done ayahuasca a number of times. Is that right? I have. I have. Now, when did that, what was the call to working with kind of maybe more advanced, you know, uh, medicines? Like we might call an ayahuasca or a DMT or like these types of sure. uh, medicines. Yeah, well, this yoga journey started around, I guess, 2014, so almost 10 years ago. And I kind of, it took a lot for me to kind of scrape the bottom and transmute and move through a lot of the traumas of of my divorce and Mm -hmm. just recentering myself and what I was going to be in the world and all of that. That took years um, to kind of get right with that. And the first year and a half after after my mentor challenged me i I did yoga every single day for a year and a half and almost every day for three years and then Mm -hmm. i kind of overdid it and had some injuries and stuff like that but i was hardcore and i was Mm -hmm. literally reprogramming 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 myself from a cellular level at that at that point you know Mm -hmm. so i started getting the idea was exposed to plant medicine in the sense i knew people who had done it and and had great results from it, but I was still in this weird spot with my kids and custody and things like that, that I didn't want to jeopardize. So I waited until 2018 when things were more solid and I, I could trust that, you know, all that stuff was, was straight and I was okay. I, I'm in a good spot now. So in 2018, I connected with a guy in California and he was not a shaman or from South America or anything, but he had multiple decades of facilitation experience and he came from a trustworthy source so he would serve what he called silawaska which was 65 percent aya 35 percent mushroom psilocybin yeah so still a lot yeah in a chocolate (laughs) and he would have small small scale retreats like 10 people or so Mm -hmm. so the first one i did with him i think it was march probably you know exactly five years ago march 2018 and it was off the rails i mean (laughs) my nervous system unwound in a way that is not very common i think and it was literally just my 
my spine just unwinding my head basically spinning around in circles and <laughs> speaking all kinds of like light alien languages and all of that and mm -hmm. so it felt energetically like i've always been very physical a very physical person and expressed physically in you know throughout my life and so for me it's like wow like that made sense that was like an expression of energy coming through me and a connection that i felt very very strongly to uh, mayan culture in particular but tribal cultures in general yeah and that was mind-bending to come out of that and like literally you know transmuted into an eagle standing on a rock on the top of a hill and like flapping my wings and like you know wow it was, it was, it was great man so That's i did another one of those around may with him i, I guess and then i went to soltara in costa rica and did a, a week series of four four ceremonies there with with shamans and mm -hmm. the Icaros obviously you know they take it to a whole nother level it's more of a surgical strike but mm -hmm. i was still like that's my kind of mo is that like heavy duty energetic release and um so i did one more with after soltara i ended up doing one more journey with this guy um Pablo Miller at the end of uh, 2018 in December. I did three with him and four at Soltara, uh, seven for the year. And I, I was good. That was a, mm -hmm. that was a really good year in 2018. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Were some of those ceremonies more profound than that first Silawaska experience? Well, I did the Silawaska three times the, mm -hmm. with, with Pablo Miller, the ones at Soltara, you know, it's like I say, it's just different when you have real shaman, you know, mm -hmm. traditional shaman singing Icaros. It's it's just a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was necessarily any more or less powerful for me personally as my own felt experience, mm -hmm. but it was it was definitely di a little different, you know. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like more or less healing. I got amazing experiences, you know, all the way around, but really had felt, you know, like I had downloaded petabytes of information and data, like, a, a, you know, Akashic record type stuff, like literally reprogrammed me from the inside out through the, that series of medicine. And then I was, you know, those are heavy duty journeys for me. And I only did one at a time. I wouldn't do the whole weekend. At Soltar, I did four in the week, but the other ones were just individual ceremony i didn't do like a whole weekend or anything they were that powerful i don't think my nervous system could have held that kind of energy wow. to be honest with you but i felt like okay i'm good you know so then in 2019 i started working more with psil psilocybin and had some mm -hmm. you know heroic dose experiences and lower dose experiences and and all of that and we're just kind of like you know taking the taking the medicine path in an intuitive way mm -hmm. and doing that that work on my own at home and uh, yeah eventually i know you've talked about kundalini a few times on this yeah. podcast and that led to a kundalini awakening mm -hmm. at the end of 2019 september 2019 mm -hmm. so it's it's just yeah. been one step on the path after the other you know and it's right. just intuitive calling it's never been some regimented plan or something like that right yeah you just get the sense like it's time to dive back in i'm being right. called you know what yeah. was this Kundalini awakening? How, how did, what happened there? Yeah, I was living in Dana Point and I had these French doors that 
you know, we're facing the ocean. I didn't have a view of the ocean, but the, the ocean was, was pretty close within like maybe, uh, you know, a third of a mile down the hill. Mm-hmm. And I would sit at my altar, like right next to those French doors. And, you know, that's, that's where I had my practice, you know, my, my meditation practice and stretching practice and everything. And one night I was sitting there and all of a sudden this energy just started breaking loose in my, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in my my core, you know, and my my root chakra just going flying up through me, mm-hmm. and I actually videoed the whole thing because I had no idea what was happening. It was mm-hmm. so intense, and I was just like kind of mind fucked, you know. Like after kind of a, it, it came in waves, and after a wave was over, I would just look at the camera. Holy shit! Like what was that? <laughs> what is happening right now? And then I'd turn it off, turn off the the video, and then start another one when I would start start releasing again and the moon was right there like looking in the french i was literally like connected to the moon and Mm -hmm. and kind of uh doing all this kundalini shaking and releasing and and unwinding is what the way i kind of describe it and right yeah it was super powerful and i wasn't afraid of it like i said i've always been very physical and having done all of the unwinding on ayahuasca that i did Mm -hmm. i mean that was insane right if you had seen me like the other people would see, you'd be like, wow, like that's some crazy <laughs> shit right there. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't afraid of it or anything. Like I was very tuned in physically and it was like the heat and the, um, you know, just the sense of that energy, you know, emerging up through my chakras and, and kind of not controlling, but but moving me in these ways, like I, right. I, I could pull out of it if I wanted, right. if I just, if I just relax into it, then it's moving me, you know? Yep. yep. So 100%. Yeah. So I just, that's how that, that whole thing started. And it was very intense for the first year or so. And that night I almost levitated twice, like literally mm-hmm. came off the ground. Like it was, it was intense. Wow. And then it kind of dissipated. It's come in waves over time. Um, I went through a, a period of doing a lot of like light language type stuff where it would be inner. There's the same energy, but it would just come out through my throat chakra uh-huh. and then that kind of dissipated. And now it's kind of like I, I can relax into it and it'll happen. But I think it's more of just a flow of energy through me mm-hmm. consistently where it's maybe some of those distortions have been released. I, I, the way I understand it is as the energy is flowing through you, the reason you, you jerk around and stuff like that is because that energy is hitting the distortions in your, yeah. in your chakras. And that's, what's like causing you to go off balance yep. and kind of move around. Right. So I think that some of those have dissipated or who knows, right. It's inexplicable uh, really right, at the end right. of the day. No, very well described. Absolutely. That is very much the sensation. Um, it's like that energy is, it's clearing it. It's, it's clearing the way through blocked nadis or psychic yeah. energy channels, which are connected like their central hubs are the chakras. So the chakras are almost the batteries powering the nadis and the nadis. You could think of it as our nervous system. You know, it goes all the way out to our fingertips, all the way down to our toes, which is actually why fingertips and toes are pressure points in things like massage and, um, right. you know, um, what do they call it when the feet, uh, reflexology, you reflexology know? yeah, and all of that. So yeah, that, that energy is, it's clearing those psychic energy channels, uh, the Kundalini, which I 
kind of believe to be like the evolutionary energy, the kind of uh, primal, primordial force of creation uh, within us all that we all have access to. And, uh, you know, we, we have it in varying degrees for various reasons. Um, sometimes Kundalini becomes active during making love. Sometimes it becomes active during yoga. Sometimes it becomes active during psychedelics or just witnessing a beautiful scene or having a moment of deja vu, you know, like so, so many things can, can give us these little pulses of awakening but um, or of Kundalini energy. But that full release that full awakening you know where it's like yeah this is an immersive psychedelic experience somatic release experience that's more rare um and people a lot of times aren't prepared for it they don't really know what it is i didn't know what it was you know but after mm-hmm. you've had it, that experience and researched it and understand what it is you like it you know you you're you're happy when it's happening versus like whoa this is like kind of freaking me out a little bit, you know? Yeah, right. Well, I didn't know what it was. I had dated a woman for a couple of years who was Kundalini awakened and she would do a lot of shaking. She was super uh, sensitive to sounds. Like I couldn't play music very often. If she'd take a bite of food, like she'd literally have spinal waves and Koreas just by taking bites of food and things like wow. she's very sensitive. But I didn't know. I was like, that's, I'm crazy. I'm weird. She's weird. Like, whatever. Like, I didn't really understand it until it happened to me. Right. And then I started looking around. I found a Facebook group uh, on Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, you know, looked around in there. And it seemed like, like half the people wanted to be like, hey, how do you make this happen? The other half were like, please stop. You yeah. know, how do you and make it stop? Very yeah. small percentage like me that were like, hey, this is, this is cool. Like, I, I don't really know what it is, but I'm cool with it. You know, right. And, Right. I'm kind of riding the waves and making it making it work for me. It's not right, you know, spinning me out necessarily. I, I have some thoughts about it or whatever, but it's not right. Right. something that's detrimental to my well being or anything. Totally, it's a very small percentage of people, is what I gathered from that group that had like over twenty thousand people in it. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good. Yeah, no, same. And I've honestly linked Kundalini to that same kind of sensation of a shamanic state. Um, And from the beginning, when I would go to these Kundalini yoga classes and stuff and be speaking with other people about how did you learn about Kundalini or why are you here? You know, what are you here to do? Uh, I would notice that I was in a a minority as well of people interested in spiritual experience, interested in Mm -hmm. altered states and shamanic visions, you know, like so many other people were there because of um, very much more simple reasons, you know, just I want to have less stress. Um, I'm going through a trauma, you know, like, um, and some people were definitely in these, like, uh, I'm trying to heal, uh, heal something. I'm trying to address something in my body that an illness, a disease of some sort. And, you know, so for me, yeah, I came to the path a little different and it was interesting learning how different, how I'm coming to the path was, because uh, yeah, a lot of people in Kundalini, it's it's known as this really intense, like highly spiritual form of yoga, um, aren't necessarily there because they're psychonauts or they're like spiritual yeah. speakers. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, I was never particularly called to Kundalini yoga. I didn't, I didn't really. I don't know. I just I, I was never called to it. But I think that many of the things that I did were sort of probably 
practices or yep. techniques that they use, particularly exactly. one meditation that I, I did a lot right before this Kundalini awakening was I would go to the beach every morning and meditate and I would picture uh, my chakra is like, I would picture like two, like almost like a traffic light on each side going up my, mm -hmm. you know, from my sacrum to my, to my chest. And that these lights would turn from red to yellow to green when mm -hmm. the channel was cleared. And then for my chakras in particular, I would picture like a, a snake going up and around the chakra kind of spinning it and then the other direction spinning the next one and yep. all the way up and that was sort of the meditation and it was like looking back it's like well if you wanted to be kundalini awakened like that's probably a good meditation to do yep i don't even know where it came from it just yeah. started i just started doing it and right. next thing you know i was kundalini awakened it wasn't that's I amazing trying. <laughs> it's just no that it. absolutely <laughs> is uh kundalini and uh kriya style meditation right. and kundalini the energy isn't strictly linked to kundalini yoga it's linked to all yoga you know what i mean um mm -hmm. there's tantra it's linked to tantra it's linked to kriya uh yoga and um yeah even ashtanga you know kundalini goes back it's one of the oldest words um in sanskrit it's crazy it's pretty amazing how ancient it is so it's not really strictly tied to the form of yoga known as kundalini yoga yeah, right. but but that's wonderful so after all this awakening stuff and, and you wanting to rebuild a career, um, what was, what was calling you? What, what did you feel like your Dharma was? Um, and how did you begin kind of following down that path and, and you know, how your career as what you do now began? Yeah, man, it was a journey and it wasn't something that I necessarily could have been proactive about because I was in such a, a desperate state personally with all that I was dealing with. I, I couldn't really show up fully. I just didn't have the bandwidth. I was, I was, uh, I was struggling immensely and having changed my life. If you look at it from sort of the macro view and people who are working nine to five in the matrix and things like that, it's like, to take two hours in the morning to take care of yourself, that's rare, right? So I had to retrain my brain to be like, okay, I'm gonna take this time to go do yoga, maybe meditate a little bit, do some journaling, whatever I, I was doing, and that's gonna make me more productive for the rest of the day. That's mm -hmm. that's what I had to teach myself, was that's the truth, you know? Yep. Instead of just waking up and being reacting to everything, that's right. coming at me, you know? So I had to carve that space off for myself. And as I did, I mean, I was lucky to have great mentors, this person who challenged me to do meditation and yoga, another one who is in the corporate uh, training space. And she just saw something in me that I, I didn't see in myself. Like she, she saw the core in me that mm. I, I didn't even recognize. And so she kind of pulled me out of the ditch and said, Hey, um, why don't you come and work with me? You can be the back end business guy and like manage all of my stuff and I'll pay you a retainer. And we started working together. Nice. So I did that. And what I was doing basically is she would go through these high level coaching programs like Brandon Burchard and um, Dan Sullivan, strategic coach and some others. And I would go through all the content and kind of, um, categorize it and summarize it for her 
and then tell her all the high points. And then when she would go to the masterminds every quarter, it looked like she was she had gone through all the material, you know, sure, sure. she had all the benefit of, of that. So I was kind of giving giving her the best of it and then implementing these things in her business behind the scenes. So it was amazing for me because these programs are not cheap. And for her to basically be paying me to go and get all of that coaching, if you will, even though I wasn't at that time, the guy in the the room at the masterminds and making all the personal relationships, which are super valuable too. Mm -hmm. I was, I was getting the benefit of this shift of mindset at a time in my life when I needed that more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I was getting paid to do this. And I picked up a couple of other clients doing similar work and over time it just kind of developed into um, this role as the right-hand guy and and if i look at like uh, myers-briggs and things like that like my my archetypes and everything are more in that role of like i'm, I'm really good as like the right-hand guy like i don't need to be the king i don't need to be the guy on stage or anything i can be the right-hand guy and that's cool you know and i can be very valuable to people like that and i've been very valuable to this woman i did a uh, um, seminar shotgun with her yesterday, shotgun to seminar with her yesterday for a, a high level company, like a company on the fortune 500. Mm-hmm. And I still work with her now, 10 years later. Wow. And so I, I just kind of went down that path. And then I had bought some Bitcoin in 2013 on a project. I was even in corporate, I was very forward thinking and kind of aware of things. So mm-hmm. Bitcoin went up and 2017 or 18, I think it was the end of 2017 when it went up to like 20 grand, I bought it for like 200 bucks. So I was like, Hey, where's that shit? You know, I'm like, that's amazing. You know? So I went and got that and I kind of lived on that for for a couple of years and just traded it. And, and, you know, it allowed me to just kind of take this, this kind of relatively small retainer and live my life and be able to do yoga and heal, you know, it'll Mm -hmm. gave me that space to heal. And so at the end of 2018, I was on a, on a trip and ended up coming across a blog article about digital marketing. And I was like, and you know, Bitcoin was crashing at that point. My Bitcoin was kind of waning and I didn't have that many, that much resources left. And uh, I found this, this training program mastermind for digital marketing. I'm, I just got sucked in, man. I was like, that sounds cool as shit. Like, <laughs> so I joined this mastermind and that was four years ago. And was that based out of Austin? No, they're based out of California. Oh, uh, Ty Lopez. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I started learning and just had the i had the foundation i think of building relationships and understanding how valuable that was and mm. some of the mindset chops that i had learned over the past few years of doing this consulting work yep. and i came in and just started banging on it went into Love sales that. and never done sales before first first month that in sales i did a hundred thousand sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff and so what was it you were selling i was at that time i was arbitraging legal leads so okay. i was yeah, a guy I was working with was pulling legal leads off of Facebook and then doing live transfers to attorneys, and I was selling the packages to the attorneys. Got it. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And then I started working with the business partner I'm with, I'm with now mm-hmm. in January of 2020. So we've been together just over three years. Yeah, LeadSnap is the company. So it's a suite of tools for digital marketers. 
And then we have an agency and a coaching program. So now we're coaching people too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Just yeah. be in the, in the uh, flow with uh, real business owners, entrepreneurial business owners who just mm-hmm. won't quit. And we just keep banging on it, you know? Love it. Now, I'd love to get some insight into what people coming to coaching coming into coaching programs are, are looking for, if there was maybe common themes, or maybe is it extremely different? Because I certainly can think of how beneficial it would be, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't experimented with it myself yet. I, I haven't had a coach. I mean, I have a, who, who, who we might call as my workout coach, you, you know, Steven. Uh, yeah, you know, so he'll, he'll advise me on how to lift better and, what order and what ways to do what exercises and how to recover and these types of things. Um, so I have a coach in, in the physical kind of sense, but as far right. as like this kind of more, uh, business coaching, you know, what is it people are looking for? Yeah. Well, I think the real benefit of business coaching is access. You know, it's like, how do I be the dumbest, poorest guy in the room at all times, you know? And that becomes more and more difficult as you move up in what you're doing and and try to find those people. So we've done, me and my business partner, just in the last two years, we've done multiple programs. We're always trying to level up. We're always trying to figure out what, how are we, we're, we're getting in our own way. Like how do we move this stuff out of our own way so that we can continue to evolve and move forward as entrepreneurs, as business owners and get new opportunities. We meet people for, uh, you know, partnerships and collaboration and different things like that. So particularly one program we're in is with a guy named Dan Martell, who's a SaaS coach. So software as a service, and he's a very successful SaaS entrepreneur in his own right. And he brings together the best of the best. So when we're out there building the SaaS company, it's like, oh, well, who's the expert on how to price? Who's the expert on how to position with sales and on your website for for best conversions who's the best person for the email funnels who's the best person for the the tech stack and development and ui like everything like there's every piece of the puzzle where when we joined that program about a year and a half ago we didn't know we didn't know like we launched and we're just like we're just two guys like whatever Mm -hmm. you know we didn't know how to run a SaaS company or yeah, grow a SaaS company. So we get the best of the best to teach us how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another program is with a guy named Alaric Heck in Austin. He's he's out of Austin, but he's the YouTube ads guru. If you say his name out loud, you'll never, you know, it'll never be an end to the, the ads that you see from him. He's like this omnipresent marketing approach. And uh, so he's amazing. So we're in his program and I've learned from him. Other people like Brendan Burchard are more a mindset and process, you know, where you can really learn how to structure your life and um, structure your days so that you're the highest performing person that you can possibly be. Like he's all about high performance. How do we generate and maintain our energy throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our month, throughout the quarter, year, et cetera, so that we can accomplish the things in life that we want to accomplish. There's all different types of programs. And we just find that the people who are playing at the top of the game are always getting coaching. Like Dan Martell, he's worth a lot of money. Like he doesn't have to work another day in his life, but he's got a very successful coaching program. 
because he wants to give back. He wants to make an impact. And he's still buying coaching. There's always another level, right? He's still getting coached. Like everybody who's really in it to win it. And the people who I, I kind of gravitate towards who, what I mean in it to win it, like they're trying to leverage what they've accomplished and make an impact on the world around them. Yeah. And they're still getting coaching on a consistent basis to continue right. to do that at a higher and higher level. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a whole world, but I, it sounds yeah. a little bit like one that you do have to have some resources to get into, right? Because I've seen yeah. coaching prices and pro and programs and you know that's one reason i haven't done it is it's just like wow that's a lot of money (laughs) it is is, but like i'm saying the access you know like um what's that guy's name man escaping me right now but he has like twenty five thousand dollar mastermind hundred thousand dollar mastermind. he has a mastermind two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the weekend Mm -hmm. but you walk in the room and you make a deal with one of these other people that has that kind of bandwidth and yep. you can make your 250 back, you know, 10 times over in the first mm-hmm. day. It's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, some of those things you, you don't know what's going to happen. You might spend most of the programs that we're in or somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 30 grand a year, but it's like one relationship is 30 grand, mm-hmm. you know, good relationship with somebody who's legit, you know, yeah, yeah. can make you 30 grand. That's yeah. a great way to look at it. Yeah, because, you know, I, I very much am new to it. But what just occurs to me is like what a coaching program is, is like someone kind of hyping you up, right? It's like you're hyped up. You're yeah, hyped up. I mean, but, but, what I found in part of this, like we were talking about where this conversation should go, is that what I found is like even people like Dan Martell, mm-hmm. I mean, his mindset is so extraordinary. He's so on point. He has everything processized. Like he has a CEO of his house. He has, <laughs> you know, SOPs for going on vacation and SOP standard operating procedure for going wow. on vacation. And Amazing. His executive assistant handles all the crap for him so he can be in his zone of genius at all times. Like this is the ideal, right? Like I want my life to be set up like that. It's optimized. I don't have to do with, deal with any of the crap that I don't like or that I'm not good at. And I can just focus on the things that I'm really good at and that excite me and energize me. And then I can yeah. just feed off that energy, right? That's definitely so, a li- big learning lesson. Um, it's big. And yeah. so he, you know, what, I, what I figured out, like after we joined his program, we're just, we're in the kind of like middle program. He has like a, a higher level executive, whatever. And so when we meet with him you know, three or four times a year, I think it's three times a year. We, we go somewhere and meet. We're just in Nashville with him. We'd be in Boston in June with him. But he adds an extra day on for the executive level. And then what do they do? They go do ice baths and they go do mindset stuff and all this stuff that's like second nature to me mm-hmm. that I've been telling people to do for years. You know, and it's like, <laughs> so he's doing it. It's, you know, there's something to that, right? Because yeah. he's got his life so optimized and at such a high level. It's just, I mean, it's aspirational to, to right. be in the room with people like that, that are so dialed in and they have, you know, their executive assistant standing next to them. Hey, you got five more minutes to talk and then come on, we have, I have to get you over here and I have to get you over there and you have to, right. you know, it's, but right. again, like it, it sounds kind of maybe too regimented, but at the same time, it's like, he's not working all the time. 
And when he is, he doesn't have to deal with any of the crap. He's not making hotel reservations and mm-hmm. buying food at the grocery store. Like he's helping people. He's making an impact. He's yep. taking calls from entrepreneurs who need help growing companies or exiting and all this like fun stuff, like cool mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Yep. So he's able to focus on that. Exactly. So the art of delegation, right? Sounds like. Yeah, it's definitely a skill. He just actually launched a book a couple months ago called Buy Back Your Time. Highly recommend it. And he takes you through multiple processes to kind of understand where you can offload some of the things that are dragging you down or or are in your way, just that you may not even notice. Yeah, it's very much a balance. That's like the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is not overworking and not burning yourself out. Um, Right but also learning how to trust in the, the delegation process, because certainly some of these are sensitive tasks and mm-hmm. who could do better, but you, right. But to have the amount of time to do everything, I mean, it's just not realistic. And, and if you try to do it all, it is that eventual burnout. It is that eventual oh. state of exhaustion and it's not worth getting to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So as far as like these high performers, do you think they're tapping into psychedelics? Is that kind of, is that something they ever talk about? You know, I mean, I think it's kind of ubiquitous in Silicon Valley at this point and Mm -hmm. multiple successful entrepreneurs and people who have exits from companies that I've come across in my travels through these masterminds have done or are interested in it and it's come from different places that i never thought like people that are totally squares you know and in my mind are like yeah where do i get some of that you know mm-hmm. and so i come to the point where you know i've i've only really drank socially for for many years but now it's just it just doesn't call to me anymore even at a mixer, cocktail mixer, or something like that in the business world, I'm generally not drinking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people ask about that and they're like, hey, yeah, I know you're not drinking, so are you sober or whatever? I'm like, no, I, I was, I've never been an alcoholic, thankfully. If I had that gene, I probably would have been because I've, I've drank my share for sure. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of say, oh, I'm microdosing. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I bait them into a conversation and they'll either walk away (laughs) but most of the time they'll be like oh i've heard about that or yeah i tried that once and i just i couldn't figure it out or i don't have the access or whatever the challenge was for them to really integrate it into their life and then it starts a whole conversation and it's like oh well have you done ayahuasca or have you you know it's like so i'm learning that learning how to do that better and and more subtly and just kind of take it for what it is. But yeah, there are a lot of people in the business world who are tuned into psychedelics. And um, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Eric Godsey, yeah. I did a program with him. That was another program I did on my own, Go For Your Win, mm-hmm. at the end of 2021, at the end of 2021 with mm-hmm. him. And he was saying, you know, he and Aubrey, they have access to all kinds of really big names, you know, and he's like, they're all doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So absolutely, there you go. Yeah, that's just such a counterintuitive thing to the the general American. You know, is these people that are the leaders of industries that are wealthy and successful and got their ducks in a row. You would be like, they're that way because they don't touch anything. They're because they've never tripped or because they never smoked weed or whatever it might be. 
But no, they're that way because a lot of times they have figured their, their mind out with the use of these tools. Right. It really clears up your cache and about things you should worry about, things you shouldn't worry about, like what's in your control, what's out of your control, how to let go of a thing that seems to be pestering you on a daily basis to yearly or whatever it might be. Like these tools really uh, give us a glimpse at what the mind is and how to successfully operate it as humans. And that only makes sense in my mind that top performers, you know, people like Aubrey and Eric and, and these other guys you've mentioned about, um, yeah, that, that, that they're able to use these tools, even in a microdose fashion, just to be able to, yeah, operate this machine that we are, this computer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time I was really exposed to that was when I was doing all the Bitcoin stuff in, in Orange County, California. And I got invited to a Bitcoin meetup and I went to this office and it was a guy, I wasn't even in digital marketing yet at the time, but he was an agency owner. I think he had a Facebook ads agency or something that he had sold for like $25 million or something. He was like 32 mm-hmm. and he started another company. And so he hosted the master or the, uh, the meetup at his offices and psychedelics came up and I was like, yeah, I'm interested in ayahuasca and I'm you know, mm-hmm. eating some mushrooms or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we all microdose. I'm like, how does that work? Because I hadn't really been exposed to it yet. And he's like, well, there's like probably 30 people here in my office. Like everybody's microdosing, like everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of was like, whoa, I'm still kind of trying to figure out from the, you know, sort of 10,000 foot view is like kind of what you're saying. How are these how many of these people or what types of these people are involved? Like I I run around with a lot of shoot from the hip entrepreneurs and some of them have built you know really big companies and some of them are kind of playing at at a smaller level but their mindset is different than i believe than sort of corporate america quote unquote where you have all of this bureaucracy and they're just maybe they're a high level executive maybe they make a lot of money or whatever are those people necessarily needing to think at the level of an entrepreneur i kind of see entrepreneurs it's a different breed, right? It's a different kind of mindset because you're going out, you have a vision that you want to create and bring forth to the world that has not been done before. It's not even in my mind, like a small business owner where you're going out, I'm going to start a restaurant. Like maybe you have some fusion, some kind of innovation in the food, but the business model is kind of like you get a restaurant, you got a kitchen and you got to cook and you cook some food and you sell it. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're doing. Like we're coming up with crazy ideas and trying to bring them to reality, you know, trying to manifest them in the 3D world. And I think those types of people, most of the people, like most of the people in my world are more open to and, um, you know, motivated to explore with different mind altering substances so that they can continue to not only innovate, but in, and in my case in particular, the way I approach it is always, how can I get and stay in flow mm-hmm. as much as possible? Yeah. You know, how can I remove the energetic blocks, remove the distortions, remove all the self-imposed limitations, get into flow and stay there as much as I possibly can so that I can right. produce and manifest as much as I possibly can. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Nailed it. And it's so fun too, when you're passionate about a project, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. where 
your it's exciting you and bringing this sense of like childlike joy out to want to do um this entrepreneurial effort you know and then a, mi- a minute ago there when you're talking about the difference between um what we might call like a, a corporate position and like an entrepreneur is the entrepreneur is <clears throat> creating an offering and the kind of uh, corporate kind of worker is offering to help that's what i was seeing so creating an offering right. creating something new and starting with that and then needing help versus like i'm kind of going to support someone else's offering um so that's the difference you know and it's just about if that's in your path i don't think one's right and one's wrong i think there's a time for both but for the people that really have this entrepreneurial spirit um it you find so much fulfillment and satisfaction from following that and getting the small wins and building a team and uh, well, cel- celebrating your wins, you know? Yeah. And yeah, celebrating your wins for sure. And, and taking the losses along the way, you know, I really mm-hmm. see entrepreneurship as a spiritual path and yeah, it's yeah. not getting, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors sometimes end up into corporate bureaucracy once it grows to a certain level, but the entrepreneur the entrepreneurial spirit that created it out of basically nothing like that's a, that's a whole different ball game, you know? Yeah. So I see the entrepreneurial path as a way to uncover your shadows and figure shit out. I mean, it's just like relating, you know, deep relating. It's like, it's going to uncover your shadows and it's a spiritual path. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is the same way. And there's another guy here in Austin named Alex, uh, Alex Charfin. And he coaches on this entrepreneurial personality type. And he kind of sees entrepreneurs as like the evolutionary hunters. It's like you're out, you're hunting game and you maybe kill the woolly mammoth and whatever. But by the time you even got to eat, you're already thinking about the next kill. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, where's that next kill going to come from? Mm -hmm. You know, and you've learned certain data points along the way. It's like, oh, I got this one by doing X, Y, Z. And the next one's going to come from whatever. And you're already out there like taking risks. You're already out there, you know, on behalf of your tribe or your community, like going out there and risking life and limb to bring back the spoils so that everyone could eat, you know? And he really relates that back to that's the way we think as entrepreneurs. And it's, it's pretty interesting concept. Uh, He has a, he has a book out about it. It's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So. I love it. I love it. Awesome chat today, man. Um, just to start winding the conversation down, just wanted to ask, you know, what is it that you feel you're trying to offer? You know, um, if you would invite someone into your world and to work with you, um, what is it that, you know, you're offering and how to get in contact with you and, and how to work with you and all that good stuff? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, ultimately, I feel like like I'm saying, like entrepreneurship is a spiritual path and applying that in real time to make an impact on the world around me, my immediate community, the people who work with us, the, the partnerships that we have, uh, you know, how can I make, how can I be an influence? There's this concept of sacred commerce and spiritual economics where that's kind of the, the intention is putting the intention behind it so that you're not just 
doing business to make you know for material purposes right like what, what is what's the impact right and there's this guy who wrote a book about these different concepts and he pulls it all the way from ancient egypt where they had the merchant priests and that it's kind of a pulse or a resonance that has been handed down through time mm -hmm. and the merchant priests were really even though we have this you know uh, capitalism and it's crazy economic environment that we work in it was the same back then it's like in the marketplace mm -hmm. it was like it was crazy people taking advantage of each other and, and all this kind of stuff but the merchant priests were the ones that were holding down this frequency of integrity and holding down this frequency of you know honesty integrity do right by by people and they were definitely in the minority but they're able to sort of through that frequency balance out the marketplace to whatever degree maybe only yeah. a small degree but to some degree i love that so that you're making that bigger energetic and frequency impact over time you know and i see myself as being in that kind of realm of you know i i have all of these more shamanically inclined practices that have mostly intuitively been dropped into my life and that I practice on a regular basis to hold my own frequency so that I don't get spun out. Not, I'm not perfect. It's a practice, right? Like I, I get, I get, um, I get discouraged sometimes I get thrown off balance sometimes, but I have a solid practice that I can come back to and come back to center and relieve the stress, remove the stress, look in inside and be like, where is that block coming from? Like, what is that thing that's holding me back so that I can get to the next level that's preventing me from getting to the next level so that I can make a bigger impact so that I can have more success. If you want to call it that mm -hmm. and move the ball down the field so that everybody around me can win at a yeah. bigger level, because like with my business partner, he's the founder and CEO. So it's like, I support him in that way too. And reminding him of that role that he has, because we can only go as far as our leader, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, obviously I want to, you know, give him the support that he needs to get as far as he can get, because I'm only going to be able to go as far as he does. Sure, so sure. it's this whole frequency that's wrapped up into the way that we approach business, what clients we work with, mm -hmm. what students we work with in the coaching program, even if we're not saying it out loud in every moment, they feel it. They see that we're out there improving ourselves every day, that we're joining, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is. And, and instead of going and buying a new car, we're, we're joining a new mastermind because we want to get better. It's about personal development over time. Mm -hmm. It's about you know improving our, our business offer and our delivery and fulfillment of that offer you know, in every moment, how do we market it better? How do we, how do we do all these things at a higher and higher, higher level so that the people around us can learn from us, can be inspired by us and, and all of those things. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me personally, the, what we're, you know, our coaching program is directed uh, towards digital marketing and particularly in scaling an agency. Mm -hmm. So that's been a phenomenal thing that's just come up over the last couple of months where we did a mastermind in Miami and then rolled it into a coaching program. And it's been amazing because we are running a big agency. And I think a lot of people who coach the model um, don't, they're, they're not necessarily running an agency. So we're doing that in real time and, it, and it's too much. And we have to do these things that we're talking about, delegate, hire the right people, 
take things off of our plate, buy back our time. Like it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just really thrilled to be able to kind of bridge the world. You know, they say that that shamans in general are are bridging the 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 visionary world to the 3D world. Yeah. Whereas I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm kind of using shamanic practices to bring this approach to, to entrepreneurship and sacred commerce and, and, and mix it all together in a way that is going to resonate with people and be able to challenge them to evolve spiritually and in a business sense to, to whatever degree. They may never even meditate, but being around me, they're going to be a little bit more spiritual than they were otherwise because I'm learning that, you know, to put intention behind everything that I do, whether it be jumping on this call with you, jumping on a call with a client or, or whatever, you know, I'm always like, what, what, what's the purpose here? What's, what's the intention behind this action that I'm about to take, mm-hmm. you know? And the more that I ask myself that question, the more discernment I can have about how I spend my time, you know, <laughs> and, and the more boundaries I can set with the people and things around me so that I can be like, no, nah, that's not even worth it. Like what, what is the intention? There is, if there's no intention here, mm-hmm. there's no real, outcome that's going to benefit everyone around me mm-hmm. then what's the point you know yeah. you should just not do that and redirect that energy towards something else right. so that's kind of a long a longer answer but i wanted to definitely uh, tune in to that kind of you know sacred econ- sacred commerce spiritual economics kind mm-hmm. of a uh, of a conversation because i think that that pulse and resonance that is running through the uh, through capitalism and business in general mm-hmm. is evolving just like the consciousness of of everyone around us seems to be evolving right i think this is where the next phase is it's like we went through the stone age and the bronze age and the industrial age and information age and now it's the age of consciousness yeah that's the future right totally feels like it Absolutely. Sure does. I mean, the more conversations I have like this, then I'm more encouraged and inspired to uh, continue to lean into that. Yeah. Same, same. Love that. So lastly, uh, how do people get in contact with you? How do we follow you and got any websites, anything you want to shout out? Yeah. I mean, you can look up LeadSnap, uh, LeadSnap LeadSnap.com, LeadSnap on IG or whatever. For me personally, I do IG at LightSeeker. Mm-hmm. It's my IG, and then jeffhowell.net is another website that I have out there. But yeah, IG is a good place for me because you know it's very visual and it's on the go, and doesn't require a lot of time to follow somebody and, and kind sure. of see what they're up to. So I tend to be pretty active on IG. Awesome, love it. Well, thank you so much, Sika, for being here today. It's been an honor connecting with you and look forward to seeing you again soon. And again, thanks for always jamming, man. You know, always coming to the Time Wheel events. Uh, Love to have you out. And yeah, it's been an honor connecting today. Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.